You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Today's scripture comes from Mark, chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. The apostles returned to Jesus and told him everything they had done and taught. Many people were coming and going, so there was no time to eat. He said to the apostles, come by yourselves to a secluded place and rest for a while. They departed in a boat by themselves for a deserted place. Many people saw them leaving and recognized them. So they ran ahead from all the cities and arrived before them. When Jesus arrived and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Then he began to teach them many things. Late in the day, his disciples came to him and said, this is an isolated place and it's already late in the day. Send them away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy something to eat for themselves. He replied, you give them something to eat. But they said to him, should we go off and buy bread worth almost eight months' pay and give it to them to eat? He said to them, how much bread do you have? Take a look. After checking, they said, five loaves of bread and two fish. He directed the disciples to eat all the people in, to seat all the people in groups as though they were having a banquet on the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. He took the five loaves and the two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them, broke the loaves into pieces, and gave them to his disciples to set before the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. Everyone ate until they were full. They filled 12 baskets with the leftover pieces of bread and fish. About 5,000 had eaten. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please join me in an attitude of prayer. Holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. When my family gets together at the holiday season, we always have lots of food. Anybody else's family have lots of food at the holidays? Yes. And every single year, my family worries that we may not have enough food. And so calls are made and they say, hey, can you make an extra green bean casserole? Can you make some extra coleslaw? Can you bring an extra plate of pickles or olives or whatever it is? And inevitably, three family members bring something extra to the dinner that nobody knew they were planning to make. And we arrive at the end of the meal and we have boxes and boxes of leftover food. And we're the kind of family that then puts those into containers and says, no, here, you need to take some leftovers and you need to take some leftovers and you need to take some leftovers. And it's just astonishing how much food we have left over every single year and then we're eating it for days to come. I don't know what your family is like, but every family has some kind of story or memory about food. It's part of who we are because everybody has to eat, whether it's in our families, in our friend group, here at church, we share meals together, and that's a holy time. 
So perhaps it's not surprising that this story, this miracle we have in our scripture today focuses, about, focuses on food and feeding people. Now this is the only miracle aside from the resurrection that is recorded in all four of the gospels. It's in Matthew, it's in Mark, it's in Luke, it's in John. If you remember your gospel studies, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they record a lot of the same stories. John has his own, uh, his own take on things as well. He records a lot more of the speeches, the sermons, things Jesus taught. All four of them tell this story. It was a story people were talking about. You couldn't miss this one. If you heard about Jesus, you knew this story. So many of you have probably heard a sermon or two preached on this passage, and you might remember some of the context, some of what's happening around the time that the feeding took place. So by the type of our scripture, Jesus had been in ministry for a while in Galilee, and he had cast out demons, and he had healed people, and he had brought a young, ba- brought a young man back from the dead. So people were talking about him. There was some buzz about this Jesus fellow, and word had started to get around that things were happening wherever this man Jesus was. And crowds started to follow Jesus around because they wanted to see what he was going to do. They wanted to hear what he was going to say. And even the local ruler, Herod, had caught wind that this Jesus fellow was somebody to keep an eye on. And the question on everyone's mind was, who is this guy? What does he stand for? Who is this God that he keeps talking about? The feeding of the 5,000 takes place shortly after Jesus had gotten the news of a sad event. His cousin, John the Baptist, had been murdered by this local leader, Herod. And so Jesus gets this news, and he tries to go off to a secluded place, like you or I might if we were in grief. But he can't get a moment even to himself because the disciples, they're running and coming and going and they're so busy, nobody even has time to eat. And when Jesus says, well, let's go away to a secluded place, the crowds follow him. You heard in the scripture, before Jesus can even arrive at this far off place, the crowd has run ahead of them and is waiting to greet the disciples and Jesus. Now, if Jesus had been a different kind of person, I think he might have gotten a little bit angry about that or a little bit frustrated, or thrown up his hands and say, okay, we're going to keep going into the hills. They are not going to find me by the time I stop running. But instead, Jesus, being Jesus, has compassion on the people. He knows that they're there because they're searching for something that only he can provide. And he says, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to teach them. I'm going to speak. I'm going to share a word. Right there in the middle of nowhere, kind of a rural landscape. And that's when we get into the scripture passage today. One of the disciples says, well, you know, Jesus is getting towards the end of the day. We should probably send these fine people on their way so they can go find something for themselves to eat. There's nothing around here to feed them. And Jesus, he turns to the disciples and he says, you give them something to eat. He turns it back. You give them something to eat. And the disciples, I think must have been a little bit taken aback because in the gospel accounts, you remember this is in all four gospels, what they did next, it's recorded a little bit differently in each place. So it must have been a little bit chaotic, many different things happening. And in Luke and Matthew, the disciples immediately talk about resources. They say, well, we have this bread, we have these fish, but what are we going to do with that in the face of 5,000 people? And then in Mark and in John's account, the first talk is about money. They say, we can't afford to do what you're asking us to do. 
the disciples might be a little bit worried. They might be a little bit angry about how they're being asked to deal with this situation. Perhaps they're even a little worried about where their own meal is going to come from because remember, they're in the middle of, the no- of nowhere. They don't really have resources or food. They're probably thinking, we need to send them away so they can find something to eat and we can find something to eat. I don't know how hungry they are, how long it's been since any of them have eaten. There's no plan. And their questions are very practical. And yet they're also based on this idea that there can't possibly be enough. Now all the Gospels agree there were only five loaves and two fish. And if you have a crowd of 5,000 people, that is not very much food. But in Jesus' hands this little meager meal becomes something far greater than what the disciples see at first glance. In Mark's gospel, Jesus sends the disciples out into the crowd and says, okay, relay these instructions. They're supposed to sit down on the grass. I love in Mark's gospel, it says, sit on the green grass as if they're having a banquet. And they sit in these groups of 50 and 100 people, and Jesus takes the bread, and he blesses it, and he breaks it, and he shares it with everyone. It echoes what happens at the Last Supper when he takes the bread, and he blesses it, and he breaks it. And everybody eats, and everybody has enough. It's a miracle of abundance. It's a miracle of multiplication. It's a miracle of meeting people's needs. It's a miracle in the community for the community where Jesus says, I can make a difference in many people's lives all at once. They were in an isolated place. There were no resources in sight. And yet, together, everyone was fed. And of course, this miracle is about more than just the food. It's more than just that one meal. Because these people received bread and fish, but through that act, they came to know the power and the goodness of God. They came to this spot seeking lessons and that they experienced so much more than that. It's just a loaf of bread, and yet, in Jesus' hands, it's something far greater than that. It's a symbol and a sign of God's work in this world, multiplying what we have to offer so that all needs might be met. God wants us to be fed, and God wants us to be people who help to feed others. This is not the first or the last time that God has done this kind of miracle in Scripture either. If you look back at the Old Testament in the Hebrew Bible, you remember the Israelites wandering around in the desert, another isolated place, and their circumstances were so dire, they said, well, we better go back to slavery in Egypt because there's nothing for us here. And God said, oh, wait a minute, people. I brought you out of slavery into this new place. You're wandering in the desert, and I'm going to provide manna from heaven bread from heaven for you to eat. Do you remember that story? Suddenly more than they could eat. More than enough. And later on, Jesus encounters his disciples fishing in a boat, and they can't catch anything. They're in the middle of the lake. They feel like their fishing trip is over, and Jesus says, well, cast your nets to the other side. And they do. And suddenly they don't have the strength to bring in the nets full of the fish that they have caught with Jesus' help. And then, lest we forget, this is the feeding of the 5,000, but Mark's gospel and Matthew's gospel also record an additional feeding of 4,000 people that starts with a different number of loaves and a different number of fish. So 
over and over again we encounter in scripture this narrative that our God is one of abundance. Our God is one who wants people to have enough. And in fact, more than enough. And yet often in our lives we become so preoccupied with this question of scarcity. Will there be enough? Will there be enough to go around for me, for her, for him? And I sort of get that. There are places in our lives where we feel like we need to protect ourselves, and so we ask this question of, will there be enough? And yet, when we're considering our faith, when we're considering our relationship with God, we're challenged to stretch our perspective, to change how we see things, so that we're looking through the lens of abundance. We're looking through the lens of possibility. And we need to begin with the assumption that God will multiply whatever it is we have to bring. You've already heard this morning that we're kind of building a large temporary mural out in the gathering space, which if you didn't get to see it on your way into the sanctuary this morning, take a look on your way out. And uh, each ray is made up of a piece of ribbon and then on top of the ribbon is uh, pieces of paper that you all filled out last week that say things you're grateful for. And last week, Jack McCurrick got up on a very, very tall ladder along with Jeremy Dean and they started hanging those sun rays for us. And I remember looking at the height and the width of that giant wall out in the gathering space and looking at our little tiny stack of papers and I thought to myself, we are not gonna have enough papers to make the number of rays for the sun that we need to make. And I had it in my head, well, we should add probably three rays or else you're not really gonna know it's a sun. But I was worried we wouldn't have enough of those cards. And I thought, oh, we're gonna have to ask extra people during the week, who can I ask? Maybe the staff, maybe some volunteers at the food pantry. And we got one nine-foot ribbon hung up on the wall and it looked as if our stack of cards had not depleted at all. And then we get another nine-foot ribbon up on the wall filled with cards, and our stack still looked the same size. And if you are a mathematician or an engineer, you will think to yourself, there's a simple way you could have figured out how far those cards would have gone. I am not either of those things. I just looked at that stack and thought, how many do I think I need? I have no idea, but I was worried there wouldn't be enough. It was like the stack never depleted, and in fact, we had to add two extra rays to our sun, representing the gratitude that's in this congregation. I don't know why I was worried, but that's the kind of thing we do. We start with this mindset of there won't be enough, and we get to the end, and we see, well, in fact, there was going to be more than enough the whole time. We need to set aside that worry and begin with the assumption that God is going to do something even if we're not expecting it. Jesus multiplies and amplifies whatever it is we offer to the community. In the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus could have fed everybody himself. He could have stepped out there and said, okay, a piece of bread for you and for you and for you, but that's not how he does the miracle. What he does is he turns to his disciples and say, okay, You give them something to eat. Jesus sends them out into the crowd. He has them be the ones who seat them. The disciples are the ones who distribute the food. They are the ones who get to take part in this miracle. He's inviting them to be part of the miracle that he's doing, and he invites us as followers today to be part of the miracle that God is doing in this world too.
We're invited to be part of what God is doing. How cool is that? Following Jesus means feeding God's people and offering what we have so that God can multiply it. And even when all we have is, seems like, five tiny loaves of bread, two little fish, you know what, God can work with that. Even when we're unsure with who we are or what we have to bring, God can work with that because who we are and what we have, it's enough for Jesus. It's enough for God. In the hands of God, the thing that we think is not good enough suddenly becomes amazing miracle for somebody else. And sometimes it's tough to know what we have to offer. We look and we think, well, what, what is it that God is calling me to share, to give, to offer? Maybe it's time. If you're a retiree, you have a more flexible schedule. Maybe God's been nudging you to volunteer in the food pantry and you haven't quite given into it yet. Maybe you're looking at your finances for next year and you're thinking, well, we've been able to give X amount so far and God's been nudging you to look at that number and to say, maybe I can give this percentage more next year. Maybe it's your talent. Maybe God has been nudging you to try something a little bit outside your comfort zone to use a talent in an unexpected way here at the church or in the wider community. Maybe it's simply compassion and God has been nudging you to reach out to somebody who you know is having a hard time. We're each on a unique faith journey and God is calling us in unique ways, but I know that God is nudging you. I know that God is nudging each one of us with something that we have to offer that maybe we've been worried isn't quite enough. Well, if this scripture proves anything, it's that whatever we have, Jesus can use. Whatever we offer, God will multiply. And so if you feel God calling you, don't talk yourself down. Don't say, well, I'm not enough. It's not enough. You say, yes. Say, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to try this. This is a season at CUMC where there are many opportunities to embrace this idea of abundance in our faith journey. For the next two weeks, we're gonna be collecting these food items to take a sack, bring it back. Hopefully you got a sack to fill with groceries and bring back to feed people, literally feed people in Clarkston. If you didn't get one, maybe you wanna grab one on your way out. When you leave the sanctuary today, you'll have an opportunity to pack hygiene kits that'll go to people in Flint who may not have soap or shampoo or those basic necessities, a toothbrush. Take a couple extra minutes and and pack one of those kits. If you see that there's extra to be packed, pack a second, pack a third. There's no limit. You can go back. There's still a week to contribute donations to sleeping bags for the homeless. If you're online, look at our Amazon wish list. You can order it today. It'll get to us before Friday. Next Sunday between services, you'll have a chance to pack lunches for the NOAA project in Detroit. Again, literally feeding people. And I don't have time this morning to tell you about the other ways that you'll see in the e-news, about Mission Possible, about Night of Blessings, about Christmas Connection. I mean, this church, we are constantly at work because that's what Jesus is inviting us to do. That's what God is inviting us to do, to be part of what God is doing in the world, helping people in Jesus' name. There's so many ways to offer our time, to offer our gifts, to offer our story, So how are you going to lean into abundance in the weeks ahead? How are you going to rise and say yes when Jesus asks you to offer something? Over and over again, we'll be invited to embrace this idea of offering what we have for the good of all. 
And over and over again, we will be invited into the miracle of what God can do in our midst when we say yes, when we share what we've got, when we rise to abundance. All we need to do, friends, is to offer what we have, and God's going to multiply it. May it be so. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.